Oh, you guys. Hey, Jace, how you doing? Good, mate. Um, this is Hash. He's going to be co-hosting today. Hey, bro. How are you, man? Um, first of all, Jace, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. We know it's time-consuming. Um, big season of the NBL just got completed, obviously. Um, Bullets didn't make the top four, but you guys had a hell of a season. Um, so we want to thank you for coming on. Um, first of all, um, let's talk about the NBL 2022. Um, for those who don't know, uh, the Bullets placed sixth. Is that correct? Yeah, something like that. Outside the top four. Once outside, outside the top, the top four, four, it doesn't matter. Um, what happened this season? Talk us through it. Um, and what does it mean for you guys moving forward? Um, I guess a host of things, right? I, there was a lot of change that took place in the off season. Um, and just kind of with the makeup of our group, when you lose a Nathan Sobey for starters. So just that's one problem in itself. And then you lose Tyrell, who's your kind of starting big, most experienced big on your lineup. When you lose those two pieces for basically three quarters of a season of being healthy, it's it puts you on the back foot. And we're not in a place as the Bullets right now. Uh, hopefully this will start to change with new ownership coming on board, but we're not in a place where we can just bring in someone to replace a Sobes or like that. Like we didn't have a Ian Clark come in, for example. Like you've seen the impact he had and how they were able to just enhance their group with someone like that. We just don't have the ability financially to do that. So I think that's a, that's our biggest problem realistically. Like obviously a lot of changes, JD's first year and things like that. But when you lose Sobes for starters, like that's, we, we can't replace that. Um, and that kind of just set our season in a downward spiral and it, it, it mixed with COVID kicked in. Like we got off to a pretty decent start. We beat Perth in Perth. Illawarra who'd won three or four in a row. We beat them at home. We get stuck in the COVID 14 day isolation before they changed it. And so off the back of that, we were just treading water and then lose soaps and tie off the back of that. It kind of just, it was one of those years where nothing went to plan. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. You've already alluded to kind of what I was going to ask next, but um, obviously not one of the larger market teams when you're comparing it to a Perth or a Melbourne and a Sydney and that has financial implications as well. I guess that can kind of galvanise a group though as well. Like you kind of play with a chip on your shoulder and you have that kind of underdog mentality playing against some of the bigger teams. How did that kind of influence the culture of the team? Obviously you've been at Brisbane for a while now. What's the culture like within, within the Bullets organisation at the moment? Yeah, you're right, it can. But the thing that... Um doesn't work to your advantage when you lose people, especially of importance. And so I think like to your point, it does, it has, it does have that little bit of being like you're playing your Melbournes or your Sydneys and so on. And you know that the budgets are a little bit different and um, there is that little bit of like, okay, let's see how we go. And, but in the, in the last few years, we've actually been pretty good and around the mark. We just, we've been maybe like one guy, say if we had brought in one guy of being like, really really good and that's a separator between those other teams can get that other one guy and so the culture in the group um it's always been really good like since I got here obviously my first three years here were with Dre so he already had an imprint in the group and there was a lot of guys that I've been with and in in and out of the Australian group some of us and so I felt like it was a really good environment we just we were always just that little bit short of being a grand final or making the playoffs like three years straight. I think we were right on the borderline of either being in or out of the playoffs. So um, my hope going forward off the back of your question is kind of that we can uh, hopefully ownership can take that step of wanting to spend nothing crazy, but just a little bit more. And now we can try and get an extra guy. So now you've got 
like a couple of pieces. You don't have to solely rely on a Sobes or a Vic Law or a Rob Franks or a Lamar. Like you've got a host of them that can share the responsibility and then it allows people like myself and that just to, to be me and do my own thing as well. So that's what I'm hoping for going forward. Yeah, for sure. I think me and Reese, we do, obviously with the episodes we do, we do like predictions for the NBL season, NBA season, all that. We both picked the, the boards coming top four this year. I really like the roster. I still do. I think it's one of the kind of deepest rosters in, in the NBL. Um, how did you guys, you've, you've talked about it a little bit, but but how was it at the time itself when Sobs went down and then Tyrell went down? How do you guys kind of handle those situations? And, and what's the what's the mood like within the group and, and how you bounce back from something like that? Yeah, it, it's tough. And the thing that was different this year, which we probably haven't had the last, we had a lot of young guys or inexperienced guys. So like, I think outside of like me, Sobes, me, Sobes, Ty, Drim and LP, everyone else had one to two years of professional experience. So when you lose two of them and one of them is your best player, like it quickly dwindles down numbers, right? Of people who have just been in situations. So to your point, off the back of losing people, I think we rolled to, uh, we lost Sobes. Sobes was done. He came back and tried to play two games. We won one at home against Tassie, lost to Cairns on the road. Then Sobes was done. We knew he was done. The next weekend we play Adelaide at home. We beat them. We go to Sydney. We have Sydney beat. And then that's when Adam got the dunk and all that stuff happened. But so in that situation, right, like we go on the road, we've just no sort of done at least for a month. And we have Sydney beat. They've won six games in a row. We had them beat and we lose that game. So I think that was kind of, if you wanted to pinpoint besides the injury parts, if you want to pinpoint a game where everything just really deflated the group, it was that game there. We could have won two in a row, three in a row, Without two, without Sobes in one weekend, beat league leaders or second on the ladder, see where we roll from that. And we just, we didn't get over that hump. And then it kind of deflated the group. It would have been really nice to, to your first point of where our group got to fit healthy, everyone playing. I just, I think we did have a good makeup. We just never really got to see it um, for a long enough period, really. Um, which sucks because that happened last year with um, Vic Law. Exactly. And that's that's the thing. It's kind of, and as to your point, like first year Vic goes out. If Vic doesn't get hurt, I don't care what anyone tries to tell me. We make the playoffs and give it a fair crack. This year we lose soap. So in two years, you've lost one of, if you're not your best player and most influential player in terms of a host of different things. Like it's even I said to someone, like for me losing soaps, like he used to always get the best defender on him. So like my life was easy. I could go and do whatever I want and just get him involved off the ball and things like that. Now he's out. I lose someone else who can carry the ball. And also now I'm getting your Shaili, so to say, and people like that dogging me rather than getting after him. So it's like, it's little things like that, which can just help you along the way as well. Sure. Um, talk about, talk about the uh, transition with coaches. Obviously you had Dre last year, um, Australian coach. Um, and then this year it's JD. Talk about how JD has kind of meshed with the group and what it was like his first year with the Bullets. Yeah, obviously very different. Like Dre having been around him for threes at the Bullets and, geez, eight years maybe in and out of the Australian program. Um, he, he just, Dre, I kind of, if I was calling something, Dre was telling me to call it right after I'd already done it. I'd look at Dre and be like, already called it. Like we had that kind of relationship and we also, like he just, the, like the people he brought in the group we had was really like just it, it kind of it worked with Dre so there was a bit of JD coming in there was obviously gonna be a bit of change what's up buddy 
there's obviously going to be a bit of change. And um, I think he handled it pretty well. Like, I, I think he, he's, a, he's a good guy. He, he comes from a place of, like, he really loves and enjoys basketball. And he enjoys the parts of basketball where, like, things are moving, people are moving, the ball's moving. And he really likes that style. And so I think for him to kind of not have a good run at it in terms of personnel base throughout the year, like we had a pretty tough trot. Uh, it's not an excuse, but we just did with the, we got stuck on the road for the first, like, well, it was like four weeks in Tassie. Then we got home for three days and we had to fly straight to Perth for two and a half weeks. So we were six weeks on the road and then we come home and then we finally get home and get stuck with COVID for 14 days over Christmas Eve. Like that was a rough two months. Um, and so he kind of got the rough end, but I, I think going into next year, he kind of, there's only three players signed right now. So it's going to be very interesting where our group goes to and what he kind of wants to do with it and how many people he wants to keep and so on. Um, since I've been supporting the Bullets, I think it's been three years. Um, I come come down to a few games, maybe six down at Nissan Arena. Um, and I've seen, I've seen you drop your 30, 40 bombs in the NBL one. So I'm always begging you to shoot the ball more. Um, so when Serbia went down, I saw it happen. Uh, you obviously stepped up. Um, was that uh, was that a coaching decision or was that a personal decision where the ball needs to be in your hands and you need to be putting up more shots and stuff like that to kind of fill Sobe's shoes as he went down? Um, probably personal. I think to your point, like I've spent a lot of my NBL career trying to do a lot for everyone else. And so sometimes that means I sacrifice my own. Um, I've always said, obviously it's different leagues and all, but NBL one, you kind of see who I am. Like that's me just playing basketball and, maybe taking some shots that I don't take in the NBL and so on. But uh, when Sobs went down, it was it was pretty obvious we we were losing a guy who, what, the year before averaged 22 a night and could have 30 in different nights and so on. And so there was definitely more shots there and I had the ball in my hands a bit more. So I was probably operating out of on balls. And I think I probably had my high, uh, definitely my highest assist tally I've had in, in years, just, uh, just having the ball in my hands. So I, I obviously needed to play a bit more and needed to try and do a bit more. And so that was just more a result of probably a bit more mindset, which I probably need to have more when Sobs is around too, because it will help him. But also just we lost a guy who had the ball in his hands a lot too. Sure. Um, I've seen you and Tamari uh, are close. Um, how have you sort of taken a young guy like him, um, who's kind of big in the ranks with the juniors, he's a point guard. Um, he must have to guard you almost every practice. Um, what, are the, what are some of the things you're telling him as he's um, progressing through the years and stuff like that? It's just, um, it's a mindset thing. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people think that you make the NBL and you're good. It's like, it's one of the hardest jobs you can have. Like I, I use this example a lot. I think there's 70, like 70 Australian jobs for NBL basketball right now. Cause each team can have three imports or whatever. So I'm oh, sorry, maybe there's 80 in Australia, like 80 people that are Australian get an NBL job. And so every year, like every year, there's more people trying to get in there. Think about how many teams are playing NBL one right now and how many kids go to college and how many dudes are around that want, want that job. And so like for, for the younger guys coming in, the first step is making it. You got to get your foot in the door and you got to prove you can get in the door. And then once you're in, you have to prove you can stay in. And so the thing I've always been big with him is it's, it's an everyday thing. It's not, like yourselves, it's not you guys seeing what he does on weekends. It's what what coaches see him doing, what players see. It's like it's. I said sometimes it's just about the more respect you get from your peers, the more other people hear about it. Because now people from inside are actually talking about how well Tamri or Tanner or whoever it is, a younger fella, 
how hard they work every day and all the good stuff they're doing. Even though in games, you might not see them play at all or maybe you only see five minutes, you see a glimpse. But what you hear from inside the group is, oh, he's been great at training. He really gets after it. He's a great teammate, works his ass off. Now that starts to transpire into people actually hearing and wanting to say, okay, well, if we can get that kid in with us or the Bullets, say, for example, want to now expand his role because of what he does. So I think it's just a professionalism thing and, and wanting to, once you get in, now take the next steps to staying in and making this a, a career. Um, we'll take it back to the beginning. Um, you came, uh, sorry, born in Sydney, Australia. Um, how was your introduction to basketball? How did you fall in love with it? Uh, family, uh, mum and dad, Australian basketball players, coaches, the whole thing. Well, dad specifically coached at Olympics, played Olympics. Mum played for Australia. Um, when I was, what was I, about eight, I think, dad started the West Sydney Razorbacks, who were an NBL team for, I want to say, about 10 years, maybe a bit longer. And I was around it from when I was seven years old. My holidays used to be, school holidays would be go to uh, Razorbacks training and then get taken back into the office and basically rinse and repeat. And so it's kind of, I, I did a lot of other things, but it was kind of all I ever knew. It's all I've ever known. And it's just, it's one of those things too, right? As a kid, when you become kind of good at something, you enjoy doing it a bit more. And so that kind of just took its toll and I was just around it so much. I had no choice, but I also took a loving to it very, very, very early. For sure. Um, how, how far along the track did you realize you wanted to take basketball seriously and realize that you could do it um, for a job? Um, probably like seriously, maybe like once I got into under 18s, like I always loved it. And like, yeah, like looking back, me and Anthony Petrie, who's one of my best mates, talk about it a lot, like put up some big numbers under 12s, 14s, 16s. But it was normally when I was top age and then, under 18's bottom age, I started doing the same thing again. And I started putting up numbers as a bottom major. And so then once I got the top age, like, yeah, it was like, I went to nationals, led the scoring and assist at nationals. And it, so it just kind of, I realized where I was at and I started going to some camps at AIS and being around the top athletes from around Australia and kind of realizing that in that pecking order, I actually fit in it pretty well. And so I think it was when I started being around people like that and then, eventually going to the AIS. It just like, I had a probably a big whirlwind 12 to 24 months from the bottom age 18 to the top age 18s where I ended up at the AIS in the Australian program and all this stuff. And I kind of just realized that I, I actually can make something of this. And I, I, I really love the competitive competition side, which was always there too. Yeah, for sure. Talking about your, your junior years, Jace, I'm not sure if, if you're aware. In fact, you, you probably won't be. So I, I'm from Sydney myself. I played I played for Hornsby as a junior, not even as a junior, youth league. So I was on I was on Weeksy's youth league team the year you beat us in the grand final. When I was in under 18s. No, yeah, I think you would have been no, you would have been all youth league age, I think. No, nah, that was so the only time I played youth league was my last year of 18s. I played 18s youth league in a bit of ABA. Okay. Do you remember the grand final? Yeah, at, at Central Coast. Coast, Central Coast. Yeah, you guys, um, you guys blew us away, and then we came back in the fourth, but you guys held on. Yeah, you almost. I do remember that too because Weeksy yeah. went off late. Um, yeah. I remember it because it was an early game too. I think it was like a, a ten at nine, ten a.m. Like it was super yeah. early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that that was my. I remember that was my introduction to, to 
rap basketball in general. And I remember at the Brick Pit earlier that year at Hornsby, you lit us up for like 50. And I was like, is this going to happen every week where someone just comes in and like drops? You know what's funny? I was actually, so like, as I said, so that year I played under 18s and I was going to not play under 18s. And then I sat down with a guy that you might know, Peter Lonigan. I sat down with Lono and my dad and I kind of was, I wanted to play ABA and youth league and I wasn't sure if I really wanted to play 18s. And then I tried out for Hills because all my mates were at Hills. So I was going to maybe go play youth league and ABA for Hills. Anyway, next minute I sit down with Lono and Lono said, Jace, just play 18s. It's, it's 18s and just go out and just, just dominate. And then Bankstown worked out a thing where I could train once a week with youth league and play youth league as well with a bit of ABA. Okay. And so Anyway, winding it back to what you said, I actually remember that game at Hornsby because I think I made like seven threes in a row. And it was like... In the, in the first half, you just lit up. Like it was all in one quarter, basically. I just remember a stretch of being like, everyone being like, okay, this is out of control. And I've actually never forgot it. So funny you remember that. That's crazy. Yeah, that was... that was that, I was definitely there for that. I had to guard your stretches too, so it wasn't fun. Um, but um, talk to us a little bit about the Bruins. I know you're kind of royalty over there at Bankstown and they've had a lot to do with your upbringing and you've obviously spent a lot of your time at that stadium and, and done a lot. Talk to us a little bit about the influence that, that that club's had in your life and and kind of the affinity you have towards that club at the moment. Yeah, it's been it, like massive. Obviously, like um, once again, a bit of a family thing there too. Like mum mum played for Bankstown growing up. Uh, when my dad moved from Melbourne to Sydney, he player coached in the NBL when Bankstown were in the NBL. And so like I kind of growing up and I was there, so I would be down there mainly because dad was still playing masters and things like that. So I'd be down there with him as a six, seven, five, six, seven, eight year old running around with just friends that I met through his masters. So it just became a thing of like, firstly, it was just a stadium where all my friends would be at. And then next thing you're working your way through the junior program and doing different rep stuff and, um, those same kids that I just spoke about were in my rep teams going all the way through, whether it was maybe one of them, they were a year older. So I got them every time I was bottom age, top age, so on. But it's just, um, as you said, as you kind of said, Hornsby, like those programs in Sydney, I feel like a, a lot of them are just the same people. And so you just develop so many relationships through there, especially at that time, because not a lot of people were changing clubs either, like you see often now, but you kind of go to Hornsby, you go to Hills, you go to, Parramatta, you go to Comets and it was the same people from Comets I'd see all the time. Hey, how are you? And it was just like, it was one of those things where it was just like a great environment to be in and Bankstown was just that for me. And yeah, like basically my whole friendship group I've almost had since I was under 12s, 14s and pretty much the same people still in it. That's awesome. I um I was speaking to I was speaking to Buster this preseason because I have a few college guys that I'm working with that are looking yeah. for some NBL1 gigs, just trying to get, get some running. So I was trying to shovel him a few and then um i was asking him whether, whether there's a chance he'll come back and play is there any hope you'll come back to, to nbl one east come back to bankstown yeah he was trying he definitely was trying my phone was blowing up for a while bus is a really good guy and it had a lot to do with me like funny speak about relationships he was my assistant coach under 12s bottom age my first year of under 12s well ends up i end up playing aba alongside him as he was coaching too and becoming he become one of my like an older brother to me so it's funny like just as you said, Bankstown people, but yeah, look, I don't know. It's, um, it's one of those things too, like an off season. Um, now I've got little family and things like it's also, it's not as easy to get back to Sydney and just play, but it's somewhere like if I was ever to come home and play, it would be for Bankstown. Um, 
we won a title there maybe five, six years ago. And that was like one of the cooler moments. Like I remember the year before I sat there and said, if there was Stevie Markovic and a few of us guys who'd been from Bankstown, I said, what about if we all played together next year? You reckon we should do that, try to win it all? They'd never done it. And we said, yeah, righto. We ended up doing it and winning it. So it was like, that's my last moment playing for Bankstown. So not saying I never would, um, I'd love to, but just practicality and money and all that things come into it as well. 100%. Man. Run us through the Australian selections. Um, you've been selected a few times now, I think Commonwealth, uh, FIBA Asia Cup. Um, what was the feeling like getting selected to represent your country? Yeah, um, a whole different world to, um, I guess, just like there's different stages of basketball, right? Like, like uh, the Bankstown stuff is something you feel so loyal to because there's so many people that help you and it's just like a family environment. It really is because it's families, there's friends and all that stuff. And then you get to the stage where you become a professional basketballer and it's now business and there's a whole heap of other things that come into it. You're with one team and then money and all these things, they play a part. Like you can't avoid that stuff. And then you go to like the Australian stuff and it kind of brings you back to the Bankstown kind of stuff. Like people are there genuinely because they love, like, first of all, they're good. And secondly, they love playing basketball and it brings out the best in people because they're just there to do whatever they have to do for each other. So those teams I've been on and played on, some of the best experience I've had basketball-wise because you're playing with the best of the best and everyone's genuinely there to do whatever they have to do to help the team win or help each other. And so some of my best, most favourite basketball memories are with the Australian team because there's an element of pride and you feel like you're representing a lot of people, anyone you've ever worked with, anyone you know, your mates, all that stuff. But also when I go back to how much I love basketball, that's like my favorite environment because I like I'm playing with dudes who just want to like win and want to do it the right way. That, that, that's awesome, man. Um, I just want to take it back to your professional career. I would say it's, it's safe to say you're an NBL journeyman, played for a number of different clubs, been around, obviously started with the Gold Coast Blaze. Um, and that's where you, you started up and then went to Adelaide, right? And then Kings and then back to Brisbane. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about, um, I guess, the, the different clubs, well, your introduction into the NBL with the Blaze, who are obviously no longer an, an organisation, but um, talk to us a little bit about how kind of your NBL career kind of went from club to club and a, a bit of a comparison between the clubs and, and how it's been over the last kind of, you know, how long has it been now, 12, 10, 10 12 years? 12 yeah. Just finished my 12th. Like, um, well, obviously I chose NBL over college. So put myself in a position through some of the stuff we just spoke about to have basically a decision to make. Sign an NBL contract, go to a college. Um, I'd always been around the NBL, something I always wanted to do. So for me, it was like, why would I wait when I could do that now? Um, the Gold Coast, I obviously had a car accident, um, broke my pelvis in between the AOS and moving to the Gold Coast. So that delayed... It kind of made my first season in the NBL a bit of a mess, really. Like, I played and I, and I had some moments, but, like, I, it took me at least one to two years to really get back to feeling like myself again. So my, my two years on the Gold Coast was great because I was around, like, a wealth of talent, like guys that we've seen dominate wherever they've been since the Gold Coast, like Goulding, Adam Gibson, Anthony Petrie, Mark Worthington, James Harvey. Like, there's been so – there were so many good experienced campaigners there that it was just, like – it was the best environment for me to be in at that time as I was trying to learn. They fold. Marty Clark, who was my AIS coach, went to Adelaide when I left the AIS. So he tried to get me to go to Adelaide originally. Uh, I chose to go to the Gold Coast. 
I uh, just thought that was a good opportunity for me, somewhere different. Um, so he ends up getting me to go to Adelaide on the back of kind of the blaze folding and all that. My two years in Adelaide were uh, weird, I guess. Like we kind of, my first year there, we finished last, but we lost like 10 games by under five points. And so we just like, we just, we didn't have enough. We just kind of needed like an import or just someone to really get us across the line. So my first year we were last. My second year we lose the grand final in game three. So it was like a whirlwind of different experience and so on. And then off the back of that, I go to New Zealand, play New Zealand in the off season and then Sydney pops up. And so originally Sydney were one of the teams that wanted me, but I kind of wasn't ready to go home. And so off the back of being in Adelaide for a few years and going to New Zealand and then um, Damien Cotter took over the head coaching job who I knew, it just seemed like the right time to go home, to be honest. And ended up being one of the best moves I made. I loved being in Sydney. Felt like um, playing for Sydney, I had, I don't want to use the word following, but I just felt like I had people, as you kind of said, that just knew me through experiences being younger like I'd be around and they'd remember me from something or I'd met them when I was a junior and I knew their family or I knew an older brother or sister and and so being in Sydney really was like one of the like coolest moments of my career from that like I'd go to a promo to school and I knew kids who had been to that school when I was younger it was just stuff like that which you don't get everywhere else four years in Sydney and then probably made the toughest decision no not probably I made the toughest decision I've ever had to make which was to leave Sydney and come to Brisbane. And then, yeah, four years here, one more year left on my contract and see where I end up after that, who knows? But as I said, obviously, this space turns into business as well. So some of those experiences turn into uh, more money being offered, uh, more opportunity, um, all that kind of stuff plays into it as well. Like some of those teams that I was with had a lot going on financially and stuff like that. So it makes it hard when teams are maybe not as propped up as other teams and so on, especially back in those early days before the NBL really started taking good uh, steps forward in terms of all that stuff. So, um, yeah, great experience at all teams. Nowhere I'd say, oh, I can't believe I went there, but just um, like for me, all had some kind of experience that I really could use and, and enjoyed at the time. Sure. Yeah. That, that's that's cool, man. With you just mentioned something that I want to touch on. You said the very first thing was you chose between college and and the NBL route. Obviously, back in in those times, taking it back to you know 20, 2006, 2007, 2008, it was rare for guys to to get a college scholarship. I think you had to go through the AAS basically. Like these days, I think you can send mixtapes and get in yeah. touch with coaches on Twitter and all this type of stuff. Uh, what offers did you have? I'm sure you would have had being, you know, a high profile guy at that age. Did you have some serious offers and was it a really big decision for you to make? And and what was the kind of decision at the end of the day that you, you did make and what were the factors? Yeah, it was. Um, the thing was too, a lot of like, as you said, a lot of the guys, once I got to the AS, because I think I was uh, 08, 09, or no, 09, 10. So a lot of the dudes that were going to AS were going to college. Like no one was going to the NBL really. Like it was like a, AIS college and so it became like a thing and so when I got there I really didn't know to be honest and then back then once again you start getting letters like a lot of it was letters and phone calls not as much like now it's, and emails a little bit but now people contact you on Instagram Facebook whatever and so it was letters and it was like read one and it was like Vanderbilt Washington State and then they're like okay and it keeps ticking over 
St. Mary's, obviously, because St. Mary's because then it was like Gonzaga. And then I was like, okay, like, and then just more that you even like schools you've never heard of pop up and you say, okay. And then, um, then some big like Gonzaga, obviously, but then like some like a UCLA, uh, Virginia, like there was a lot, like honestly, there was a lot. Like I just remember the letters coming through, the emails from coaches talking to me, then the phone calls, and then um, it was just the process of like there was so much going on. I was so young that you kind of like, oh, is this good? Is it bad? And now what you know now is coming out of juniors with kind of the rate that people are going from, I mean, now it's changed too because people are going from the NBL to the NBA, but at that time, if you had a known going to college for four years, really enhances NBA chances, you probably maybe changed my decision, but I don't regret not going to college. It just was a thing. It legit got to the point of like, like I went to the Hoop Summit and I played at the Nike Hoop Summit, did pretty well. And off the back of that week, like it turned into like out of control. Like I was like, what's going on? And on the way back, not many people know, I stopped me and my dad went via LA. We went and watched the Lakers game and I actually went through a walk through the UCLA campus. So I was pretty close to if I was going to go, that's where I would have gone. Um, but I just genuinely, then I got home from that and I kind of had to had to make a decision. It was getting late. It was either August that year. I was either going basically NBL or I was going to preseason or I was going to college. And so I got home, sat down with my dad and people that I had to talk about. And dad was kind of like, mate, there's no real bad decision. And for me, just, as I said, opportunity to sign a professional contract in the 10 was just something I dreamed of doing. Imagine race if somebody these days had Gonzaga, Vanderbilt, UCLA. Like, think about the hype you could have made. Off yeah. Well, it's such a different world now, right? Like, I think about the job Oz Hooper's doing, all that thing. I, I Once again, I don't think anything high of myself, but I kind of wish you guys were around when I was playing juniors because some of the videos you guys could have made of some of my junior games would have been yeah. <laughs> very good. And that's what, bit, like, it's the way of the world now, right? Like, Instagram and all that, you're able to get so much stuff out there that it's it's probably more, it's more of a comfortable thing now going to college, I think, because of how much access you have via social media to seeing all this stuff where, like, we didn't have social media back then. It was MySpace or whatever, and it was on a computer. So it was like, now it's a different world of how much you see of college programs and and so on. So it's a bit different now than what it was 12 yeah. years ago. There's, there's got to be some footage out there somewhere. I know Chris Goulding, State, uh, Brisbane State High mixtape came out and he was dunking over people and all this other I stuff. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> that was wild. I did not expect that from him. But, yeah, I'm sure there's some footage out there somewhere. We'll have to you try know, and find Speaking it. of which, sorry to cut you off, Reese. You know what popped up on my YouTube feed the other day, Jason? I was looking at some random ABA games, like from, I don't know, random when I was watching some Hornsby games. Do you remember a lob that busted through you against Hornsby? Yeah. On like a... a, a on shuffle cut. Yeah, for shuffle cut. You threw it to the wing and then stepped away and then came off a back screen and you got up off two feet. Yeah, that was pre-accident. Did you know, you know, <laughs> you know they had some hop back in the day, Reese? There's no. actually a video on Facebook of me windmilling. I used to be able to get up a little bit. Crazy. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. That was uh, yes. I'll get a video. I'll show you next time I see her. Uh, no worries. Um, so what's the plans after the NBL? Um, after you finish up, what's what's the plans for Jason Kaday? Do you want to stay in the basketball environment or yeah, I think so. Um, as I said, it's all I've ever known. Like honestly, like I was seven, eight watching my dad put together teams. I'd sit in his office at home and watch him talk to agents and have 
boards of who's on the free agent list and salaries and just all that stuff. Like I've seen so much. Like I even now, like I probably know too much. I wish I was sometimes didn't know as much as I did and how it all worked. But I just, it's kind of all I've ever known. I really enjoy um, helping. Like I really enjoy coaching some younger kids and and feeling like I can actually help them. Um, it's just, it's one of those things, I guess, it's who I am. I enjoy making soaps better. I enjoy making teammates better. And so when I can actually help younger kids and, and teach them a few things I know or just even improve their shot or whatever it is, like I actually, I, it, it's a cool feeling. And so I, I can't really see myself not involved in some way and we'll see how or where and what it is, but I'd say so. For sure. Um, we'll get into our last segment. Uh, 10 quick questions is just rapid fire. You know, so these are your own pace. First question, what is something you are appreciative of? Could be anything. My family and friends done so much for me for so long. Um, yeah, it can't not be. They've just, having people like that around and having a good group of people really can change your basketball, your sporting, your everything. So it's, it's always been something I've really enjoyed and embraced. Uh, who is the funniest guy on the board's roster? Ooh, Jack Salt, actually. Like, some dry stuff, but, like, just pretty nonstop. Like, he's pretty, yeah, Jack's pretty funny. Um, this might be a hard one, but who is the toughest um, person you've ever had to guard? Ooh, there's a few. Kyrie Irving, when he was younger at the Hoop Summit, he was tough. Um, That's a good one. You know, it was actually really tough. It's about the similar year. I've played for the Australian team. We went to Brazil and Argentina. I think I was 17, maybe just turned 18. Uh, Leandro Barbosa. He was like, I mean, I was young. I only played a little bit, but I just remember being like, he was so fast and strong. Yeah, good answers. Curry Irving. <laughs> Can't get much better. Brazilian blur. That's sick. Um, favorite basketball memory. One moment in time that you can recall that, you, that sticks with you forever. Um, going to when I was younger, about 12, went to LA, got to watch the Lakers train because my dad knew the GM of the Lakers. That was when they had Kobe and Shaq. And then we watched a game the next night and it was the game Kobe had like 60-something at three-quarter time. Against the Mavs. Yeah. And so, like, I was forever and I back then didn't know much about the NBA for example was in Jerry Buss's office with all the NBA championship trophies and didn't get a photo so that showed you how little I knew about the NBA really but which is crazy right but um yeah I just from that day on man just Kobe was like the man that's a good one yes um favorite favorite hoop shoe of all time Kobe fours oh agree 100% agree I wish they'd bring out more. The sixes are my second. Um, I just wish they'd bring them out like normal shoes, man. Like I just, I, th- I think Reese did. Vanessa Bryant just signed a deal with Nike about extending the yeah manufacturing of Kobe. So I think like they do some retros and they're bringing back some shoes as well. I hope. I just hope they bring them out like a normal shoe, man. Just like I get it, I understand. But just bring them out like a normal shoe so everyone can get access to it. Like they're gonna if you if they do a million right now and everyone has to fight for it, they'll sell four million. And everyone just gets them at their own pace. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, who's winning the NBA championship this season? You've been following it much? Yeah, I have. Um, 
it's tough, man. Uh, like you, every time you think there's a front runner, I think Milwaukee is still going to be hard to beat, right? They've been there, done that. Um, they're in a tough series now with Boston. Uh, I'm probably going to go with Milwaukee to get it done again. Yeah, I agree. Um, what's the best movie of all time? Oh, that's a tough one. I've always been a big fan of the the Batman series when um, Heath Ledger was a Joker. That three, those three movies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah them, or even the early Transformers. But yeah, those those three Batmans were. I could watch them any day of the week. Sure. Nice. All right, you hit it. A step back three for the game. You prefer to do it on the road in silence crowd or at home and everyone goes crazy? Either. <laughs> <laughs> Both are just as satisfying. Um, I'm going to go with home just because, like, the crowd, when they embrace it like that, like, it's it's just a, a place you want to be in. Now, on the road, it's just as nice. But at home, just having everyone to support you and want to get around it is a pretty cool feeling. Um, what's the best away stadium that you've played at? Any funny stories? Um, I normally play well in Melbourne. That's one place I do play well. My favourite stadium, though, would be uh, Sydney, Kudos Bank. I grew up loving that arena. I was actually just telling someone today, like, last night was the first night I've ever really been jealous of a situation. I wasn't jealous of any players for winning or anything. Just the situation growing up in Sydney... Loving that arena, being there when I was younger when the Razorbacks played some games there. And then last night to watch them have a chance to win at home with that crowd, like the inner me just was filthy that I wasn't part of it as a home person. But um, I've always loved that venue. And so just it always be my favourite venue. And then seeing crowds like last night, I mean, it sums up itself, right? For sure. Even the, even the Escalade uh, when they were going down the Escalade. No, Here's a funny story. If you see a video of a guy that came down it drinking a beer and he smashed it on his head, there's yeah, a video getting around. Yeah, he snuck up there. It's one of my mate's brothers. He's in the stone cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. All right. Easy question, I'm assuming, to finish up the 10 quick questions. With a fully healthy rosters on the cards, no injuries, touch wood, who's winning the chip next year in the NBL? Brisbane Bullets. Go. Yeah. Uh, we did this with um, Xavier Cooks before the season started. I have to go back. We have um, to get it. We said, we, I, mean, I, we, I said, who's going to win? And hopefully you win finals MVP. And they won and he won it. And that was back in November last year. So That would have been uh, worth a bit of money had you bet on it then. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but we, I think, who else we asked? We asked Court Noy as well. He said Cairns. <laughs> we asked, we asked um, everyone. Vic Law said Perth. Yeah. Um, yeah everyone's going to. I just, yeah. But I mean... We've got a ways to go, but I think um, I think we're a chance. If we can just get it right, get some personnel in that can really make things interesting, I just think we've got the right people to be able to do it. Yeah, I agree. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining us, Jason. We appreciate it. Um, we joined this episode, and good luck next year with the Bullets. Hopefully you can bring us home each year. Thanks for having me, guys. Too appreciate easy. It. Take care, man.